Hello Evers and Nevers and welcome back to SGE with SNG. I'm Gail and I'm Sam and today we are going to discuss the seventh chapter of the School for Good and Evil by Soman Chinani which is called the Grand High Witch Ultimate. Firstly we hope that everyone is safe and healthy and are sending our thoughts and best wishes to you. So before we start can you please recap the last chapter? Yeah so basically last chapter Agatha and Sophie met up in the School for Evil. Sophie tried to steal her clothes along with the help from her roommate, and Agatha felt that she belonged in evil, and although Sophie still thinks she's high and mighty, we the readers are beginning to suspect that she is actually evil, which is kind of the whole plot, and I feel like most people suspect that, but I guess that was supposed to be like a big reveal. Yeah, that's true. So moving on from that, how did the first chapter, not the first chapter, sorry, how did the chapter open up, Sam? The chapter opens with Professor Manley asking the class, why do we uglify? To which Hester, Anadil, and Dot all answer incorrectly. And the correct answer being that they uglify. Let me find the page. (laughs) I thought it was there, but it was not there. Where is it? Why didn't we write the page? Well, Well, Sam figures out the page. I'll tell you a bit about Professor Manley. Oh, she found it. The answer is because once you destroy who you think you are, wait, no, only once you destroy who you think you are can you embrace who you truly are. I actually really like that quote. I think that's actually quite important. But anyway, let's all take a moment to appreciate Hort because he tries his best to uglify successfully, but to no avail, he gets the second lowest rank, even though he tried really hard and only has a wee zit spurt from his chin. And so, wait, let's just talk about um, the school ranks right now. I don't think we've talked about them before. So there are 20 kids in each class, and I think there are 20 kids. Yeah, there are 20 kids. Yeah, there are 20 kids. And, which is actually kind of small school. Oh, is that their whole grade? Is it? I feel like you only... I think it is. I don't know. It kind of makes sense? I think it is, because there are 20 students in each Oh, so the school is only 40 people? That doesn't make sense. Because if there are three years, every three years, no, is it every four years people are taken, which means that there's a new class every four years, there have to be more than 20 kids. No, there are 20 kids. Okay, well, anyway, there are at least, there are 20 kids in each class. At least. So. We don't know about, like, the whole entire school. Yes. So then they're ranked 1 to 20. And one, you kind of get, like, a little gold laurel wreath explode over your head. No, you get, like, a golden one. Yeah, a golden one. With a laurel wreath. I don't know. But for 20, you kind of get, it like, It falls stars. on your head. It falls on your wait, head. Wait, wait, we can see what it says. It talks about it. And... Because a quick, yeah, just a blah, quick blah. move to Agatha. Oh, yeah. Because Hort smacks away a stinky 19, because he was the 19th. But the rank smacks him right back. And... <laughs> For Sophie, I think, not in this chapter, but maybe earlier or later. Wait, no, it's Agatha in this chapter. Agatha gets a 20, and it crashes on her head, which is kind of rough. Yeah, so it's kind of cool, like, their personalities, and the personalities of the the ranking, yeah, I guess I like you could that. say. It's cool. And, sorry, going back to Professor Manley, let's just talk about his name for us. Yeah. <laughs> because... So I think I, his first name's Billius too. So and Billius, uh, let me read the definition real quick. 
So he's manly. I guess that's what you're trying to... So I guess maybe they're trying to say that uglification okay. is manly. Bilious is affected by or associated with nausea or vomiting or a spiteful, bad-tempered so person. He vomits so he manly. vomits angrily. <laughs> but his, he's very manly, I guess. Yes, he's very manly all the while. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, so he's just... He's just talking about, like, uglification, and he's saying the whole point of uglification is to make people ugly, but Professor Manley tells Sophie... Also, like, release yourself, you know? Yeah, but he says, he tells Sophie that with three failing marks, she'll end up uglier than him, but isn't that the whole point? So I don't see why... Yeah, I don't get that either. So I guess it's making yourself ugly tells you who you truly are? But then also you don't want to be uglier than him. <laughs> like, yeah. he's the epitome of ugliness. He's something to aspire to. Wait, does it have a description of what he looks like? I think it's really forward in the book. No, yeah. Well, it, yeah, that's true. But right now it tells us that he has a bald, pimpled head and is squash-colored. So, okay. I mean, I feel like squash is kind of various colors. That's kind of broad. Could be, like, pumpkin-colored. Maybe he's orange, but maybe he's also, like, yellowy, or maybe he's, like, those cool special squashes, you know, that are, like, blue. I like Soman's descriptions. I do. I appreciate them. They're funny, because they also fit the the story, because he'd yeah. be called squash-colored for his, whatever he looks like, but then if it weren't ever, they'd probably be called, like, I don't know, some... Buttercup color. Yeah, or something <laughs> like that. But, okay, sorry. Oh, wait, squash is brown. Squash can be any color, right? Going off of that little tangent, so we're next. We're gonna talk about Agatha's beautification experience, and so their professor Anemone is trying to make her smile, right? And so she's smiling, but then they're making fun of her grin. They're like, "Oh, it's absolutely malevolent," and they're shrieking, and it's terrible, and so. This part just shows how although people are supposed to be good, they're just really rude in general and think that everyone is born looking perfect. I know, which I really didn't like. But then later, actually, Pollux, who I personally do not like as a character. I mean, I don't like him as a person, but I think as a character, he's pretty interesting. And he like comes into class on a, with his head on a skinny goat's carcass. Because <laughs> the whole thing with like Because they Yeah, Pollux. they share the body. I feel like Castor always has the body. Like, Pollux never has the body. Like, ever. But anyway, and the girls are all staring at him because it's kind of weird to see, like, a dog's head on a goat's body. And then he says, And here I thought I was teaching princesses. All I see are 20 ill-mannered girls gaping like toads. Are you toads? Do you like to catch flies with your little pink tongues? And he kind of disciplines them. Yeah, I feel like that's an interesting part because he... They're... I don't know. He's kind of... Putting them in their place. Yeah, he is. And I feel like... Did he go through the school for good and evil? I don't think so, because he's a dog. Yeah, but we've had people... But he's not a Mogriff, so... True. Yeah, I don't think so. He might be a Mogriff. No, he's not. Mogriffs can't talk. Mogriffs could just get turned into animals. Or plants. Well, that was a little bit of a preview to more stuff in the future but yeah yeah. oh yeah but actually on that thing on the subject of tracks and like getting sorted into right henchmen and leaders in the evil castle sophie after going to uglification she goes to henchman training which is 
kind of what the class that everyone takes in evil in your first year before you're sorted into tracks which is kind of interesting because they're being trained to do to be to be like in the middle and then later they're kind of put into different no but they're not really being trained they're just all being taught the same thing at this point it's just who does the best at what they are given you know and that's how you're determined to be like a leader a henchman or a model yeah so wait, so that kind of, that's interesting. So a leader is still kind of the best henchman. Yeah. Because they took those classes and that's how it was determined where they'd go. Yeah. Huh. That's kind of interesting. Indeed. So can you talk about the golden goose, Sam, please? Oh yeah, of course. Well, the golden goose is just the challenge and they have to... In the evil school. Yeah, in the evil school. And they have to force the golden goose to lay an egg. Well tame the golden goose and make the pathetic creature lay one of its prized eggs and the bigger the egg the higher your rank so sophie's really hyped because she realizes that the goose will only listen to good people and so she can prove here and now that she didn't belong with these monsters i'm quoting and all she had to do is make the goose lay the biggest egg so then castor lays out five strategies for training henchmen and in this case the henchman would be the goose these strategies are one command, two taunt, three trick, four bribe, and five bully. So Sophie goes last, and she waits every she waits for everyone to go. The first person to get an egg is Hort, because <laughs> he kicks the goose's nest, and the goose yanks his tunic over his head, and Hort's basically naked and blind for a couple minutes. But the goose thinks it's really funny, and it. Um, excretes an egg the size of a coin. And so I feel like that's kind of interesting because um, the goose is similar to Evers because although it, I don't, what is it? I don't know. You don't know. The goose, although the goose has a warm smile and it's, it just seems like it's, it's laughing an attractive at everyone bird it's supposed to be. inwardly. So it's making fun of people. And I feel like that's kind of like a symbol for the Evers because the golden goose is supposed to be good, but yeah, I mean the golden goose is supposed to be like an attractive bird, you know, because it has the gold feathers, it has a nice smile, it's good, you know, it helps Evers. But, but yeah, like you said, and also it didn't seem that Hort even did that badly because they're kind of trying to portray him as a bad student or a bad person or um no bad. I don't know, a evil villain. But actually, well, Castor does make a good point, though, when he says, well, Hort holds the egg up in stunned triumph. And Castor says, right, because in the heat of battle, you'll have time to run around naked and make your goose crap. So (laughs) I feel like that's a pretty valid point. No one's going to be running around naked in battle and trying to make their goose excrete coins, to be more polite, because... But, But literally, there are two people that get the goose to lay an egg and that's Hester and Hort and Hester's egg is fist sized which I mean is a pretty good size large this does it say how large the goose is it does not I don't know wait there's a photo or there's a drawing I actually really like this drawing in the beginning of the chapter of Sophie with the goose okay so the goose is pretty the goose is good sized its head is like the same length as Sophie's head, or the but same. But that's like normal, cause the beak. Yeah. I don't know. It looks a little larger. It's than pretty normal. big. It looks pretty tell big. Tell us what you think. Yeah, tell us what you think. I don't know. I honestly have like no idea. A fist size. How big are they expecting these? 
like egg that yeah. they just like because the biggest egg is it gonna be like the size of like the golden eggs in the first Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie like no I don't think so <gasps> maybe it's like a goose that size because those goose geese were small but they gave yeah because in, in the um in the story the fairy tale that they're talking about the goose laid like huge solid gold eggs but right. compared to a fist I'd say maybe like four fifths I'm not sure yeah, maybe the maximum egg is, like, four fists, because that's about the size of, like, the Willy Wonka eggs. Or maybe even, like, six or seven fists. I don't know. <laughs> well, either way, Hester's egg seems like a good size. Seems, like, genetically, you know, or not genetically, but, like... Genetically what? Modified? Seems, no, it just seems... Im- okay, it's a fairy tale. I have to yeah, let go of this. let's stop questioning this. So, Sam, what happens with Sophie's encounter with this? Okay, like, yeah, so, so this... Egg with the egg. egg. With the golden goose, yes. So, well, Sophie is listening to the bird's thoughts, and she looks into the bird's warm, wise eyes, and they kind of have, like, a telepathic conversation. But this doesn't happen. You find out that this doesn't happen with other kids. It's only Sophie. Yeah, it's only Sophie. And so the bird tells Sophie to make a wish. So Sophie wishes for Tedros, and then... But then the goose's feathers are turning gray, its eyes darken to black, and its warm smile is gone. Also, how can geese smile? Like, that's just disturbing. <laughs> it's creepy. Like, yeah. the beak smiles. Ew, that's weird. another mouth. <laughs> it has to think about this. It's a, little, it's a little sketchy. Oh my gosh, you know, but don't geese have teeth? Yeah, I think so. Ugh, does it smile? <laughs> does it have a teeth? toothy smile? <laughs> wait, wait, I'm gonna look up a goose smile. Let's like, see what happens. <laughs> you can't really see this. Guys, Google goose smile. Okay, now we're looking up goose teeth. Ew. Oh, they're kind of gross. Okay. It's <laughs> very interesting. Guys, to fully understand what we're going through, Google goose smile, which is pretty funny, and goose teeth, which is a little... Not funny. Not funny. It's a little scary. <laughs> but that's just what's happening. I wonder if someone was looking up these things as he wrote it yeah maybe he wanted us to look this stuff up maybe he wanted our lives to be changed forever by seeing goose teeth but anyways so so what happened to the goose? oh yeah so the goose basically morphs from a special golden goose to a normal goose and there is no egg sophie does not get an egg unfortunately so its eyes used to be blue and then they changed to black and then it's Basically, so now it can't talk, now it's just normal, like you said. Exactly. And so Sophie's like, what? And then Castor, who's pretty evil, he is astonished, and he looks petrified, and he explains to Sophie that this happened because it means that the oh, goose... Oh, it's a she. It is a she. The goose is a female. Okay, she'd rather give up her life or power than help you. So Sophie gets a number one rank. How rare are these geese? Because I think they're like yeah, getting they're endangered, rare. endangered species. <laughs> like an alert. Yeah, I don't know. And then Castor says that it's the most evil thing he's ever seen. And, and so then Beazel, but wait, there's more. Beazel, who I think is a gnome, right? Or like a dwarf or something? It's no. Beazel. Beazel's a gnome. Sorry, we're no, looking not through the book right now. Is Beazel a gnome? Beazel's one of the weird characters that you're kind of like. Beazel is a red-skinned dwarf. Okay. I was just right. kind of right. not a dwarf. Yeah, I said I said dwarf too. Yeah, you did. Yes, I did. You can okay. Let's the continue. Audio. Okay, uh, so Beazel is shivering in the dark corner, <laughs> and he calls Sophie the Grand High Witch Ultimate. 
And Sophie says, no, 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 not Grand Witch. And so Sophie's kind of like, what did I Sophie's do? Sophie's freaking out. But the goose it now is normal and doesn't really respond to her telepathic try attempt because it can't really do anything anymore. So that's kind of... I really like that. It was really creative. I think so too. And it's kind of... I really like that scene for Sophie because it's like a very powerful moment and I think that's pretty cool. And it would be really interesting to have a scene with the Golden Goose and the good people because it seems like yeah, I said, I the Goose see is so happens. similar to the Evers. So like... Would the Goose like them? But would They're they have telepathic like conversation? supposed to like them. I don't know. I How think would they that would be a great... Scene. But if Sophie's able to have telepathic conversations with the goose and the goose only does that with Evers, then that means that Sophie's able to disguise herself as good. Which either means that she's good or she's like 100% evil. So, Wait, one more that. thing about the golden goose and it's maybe being endangered. In the story, there is only one golden goose. So how are they like producing <gasps> these golden And then the geese? next paragraph though is super important, guys. So the, the rank numbers, I actually, this is new to me. The rank numbers apparently drift up to the schoolmaster, so he can see who got them, who's doing what. So it makes sense that there would only be 40 kids, because then he can actually do it. But it it also said, like, they're swirling around. Dozens of smoky rank numbers, brightly colored ones from good, dark and gloomy ones from evil, drifted from the two schools over the water, and drifted up to his window like balloons in the wind. As each one passed, his fingers ran through the smoke, which gave him the power to see whose rank it was and how they had earned it. He sifted through dozens of numbers until he came to the one he sought, a red flame one that revealed its history in a flood of images. A golden goose throwing away its power for a student? Only one could have such talent. Only one could be so pure. The one who would tip the balance. With a chill, the schoolmaster went back into his tower and awaited her arrival. Okay, but with a chill, is he frightened of a student? It's strange because he's extremely powerful. I think he feels that there's finally someone similar to him with power with power dynamics or yeah this could be an enorm- enormous i'm not gonna reveal so too much be careful gail <laughs> oh yeah okay so the next class for sophie is curses and death traps which is hosted by lady lesso this is actually an extremely interesting class i think because lady lesso is just so She's very regal, I feel, but she's also extremely powerful. Yeah, and to be honest, I feel like the Evers should have a class like this to know how to avoid Yeah, because the Evers are so wishy-washy, and they're kind of... I don't know, they think that, like, their sarcastic remarks are going to save them or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. But... Yeah, and... Oh, and of course, Hort is being relatable as usual, and he's like, It's cold! And then Lady Lesso tells because him that it's warmer in the Doom Room, and Hort is like, I feel warmer now, but he's turning blue. <laughs> I feel like he's pretty relatable. Did that um, uglify you? The real question. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, and so Sophie's obviously not paying attention, but Sophie's like, I don't know, she'll probably get a number one anyway, because she's so just now- born for this. But she's not paying attention, and Lady Lesso's talk- talking about, like, nemesis dreams. Nemesis. 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 I think. Plural of nemesis. And how it's only for, like, the purest evil. And he looks... She... He... She looks at Sophie, um... Well, she leers at Sophie. But it's also kind of an an encouraging leer because... Someone describes it, well, the leer, as if to say whether she liked it or not, that pink-loving reader must... Might be their best hope. 
So it's almost foreshadowing there, you know? Is Sophie the great hope for evil? And, yeah. and What about thing, Hester, you know? One thing I'm kind of trying to figure out. So, of course, we already, we've read the books. I think we've said that before. Yeah, I think we said that. I think we but, have. um, I don't know if right now they're trying to make us think that both Sophie and Agatha are evil. Yeah. Or if just Sophie's evil, or if Agatha's evil. I don't know what they're trying to make us think at this point. Because they're saying that Agatha's failing all her classes and that Sophie's excelling in them. And I feel like these these rankings are kind of giving us a little foreshadowing or they're telling us to see if the rankings change over time. We can kind of see how the characters are evolving in a way. Right. And so how did this chapter end? Wait, are we done? Yes. The chapter ends with... I think Sophie's... Is she looking out the window? Yeah. Is she? Yes. Yes. Because they're across the... She's looking out the window, and she looks across the bay, and they see that a good tower is on fire. What? And so Hester's reaction is kind of... It's pretty awesome. She's just like, brilliant. brilliant. And she's awestruck. And And Dot gasps. And who could have possibly done something so... And that's when Hester says brilliant. So it's like... And then it ends the very final line. Well, the very final line. (laughs) The final line in the chapter is, well, Agatha had the answer to that. So Agatha's clearly up to something over in the good tower. That's what I'm saying. Setting things on fire. So are they trying to tell us that Agatha's evil here? Like, who knows? Yeah, I don't know what they're going with this right now, but... Sophie looks clearly evil right now. And Agatha, we don't really know about. Yeah, Yeah, they've only been to one of Agatha's classes. Yeah, next chapter will be about Agatha more than Sophie and this one was about Sophie but what were your opinions of this chapter I thought it was interesting I really like how they bring us through their schedule I'm excited to see more of Agatha's classes too but honestly classes in school for evil sound pretty interesting I mean that makes sense because when I took the quiz it told me I was evil when you took the quiz that told you you were good right yeah but I feel like right now the evil classes are kind of better because they're telling you. They're actually you, preparing you for fairy Yeah, tales. they're preparing you. They're saying in the Blue Forest. Like beautification? Is this That's part really later? Cool, I'm like... not sure if this is later, but they say in the Blue Forest or in the real world, you're going to have to know how to survive. Well, right now, I don't really think that beautification is or uglification for that matter That's true. is going to help you, but learning. I feel like those are more therapeutic, you know? But Just learning for mental health or something. Death crap. <laughs> Death traps. Sorry for that. Death traps. Little I feel slip. like that's more. Um, I think that's more practical. Yeah, and so, in the grand scheme of things, this is the seventh chapter. Where would you rank this? Do you think? As a chapter. Yeah. So out of the seven that we've talked about so far. I mean, I don't think I can do that yet because we haven't read enough. Yeah. Because they're all kind of building on each other. Some chapters later in the book. I feel like I like less, but but I think it's all necessary at this point in the book. Yeah, me too. It just I feel like actually in the in the whole book, I feel like a lot of them are really necessary and there aren't really any fillers. I agree. I think yeah, I think that's something that the author does very well. Anyway, um I think that's it. So, yeah, I hope you're it. all doing well. Hope you're all safe and healthy and I'm Sam. And I'm Gail. And this has been SGE with S&G. Thank Bye. you. Bye.